Good day, I'm Anne Dolan-Shicken. You're listening to Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. In today's episode, we're in conversation with Ryan Annandale, who described himself as a creative and strategic leader in marketing, franchising, and brand management. At the time of recording this podcast episode, Ryan was the Franchise Development Manager at Factory Center. His role was to develop new standards, operations, procedures, marketing strategies for the battery brand. Grab a coffee and listen as we discuss using nano-influencers to ensure your brand stays top of mind with your future customers, the role influencers play in reaching big audiences and communities, and driving brand recall using nano-influencers. If you enjoy this podcast, you will also enjoy our fortnightly newsletter that keeps you up to date with influencer news from around the world. Subscribe at the link in the show notes. This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano-influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand brands and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salts have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influences. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Good morning, Ryan. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Before we get into our conversation today, please can you give us an overview of yourself and what your role entails at Battery Center? Thank you, and thank you so much for for inviting me to to the podcast. It's um, absolutely exciting to share some some valuable insights from my side. So yes, I run the the Battery Center uh, franchise um, in Southern Africa, and the role is obviously all encompassing. You know, focusing on the the sustainability of the business, uh, the correct marketing activities, you know, new diversifications, uh, product mixes. Um, value that we can create for our, for our customers, um, and then over over and above that, um, you know, being involved with First National Battery, which is essentially the owner of Battery Center, and looking into the industrial uh, part of of the battery business in terms of marketing, and um, yeah, that's that's what uh, Battery Center, the role in Battery Center, I play. Um, my, my background is around um, is in franchising, marketing, um, and communication with obviously some experience and education to back that. And it's been been a pretty exciting journey with Battery Center, I would say, over the last six and a half years, taking the brand and trying to bring it into more of a modern world, uh, both in terms of, of visuals and how we communicate and how, how customers can find us um, and how we connect basically with, with people. That sounds really interesting. And I think that also brings me to my next point, the way you communicate with your customers. I mean, every single person who owns a car or a motorcycle or the like, we use a battery almost every single day. It's just that we don't really think about it. It's just there, right? The only time we really think about it is when it gives us issues. And then we kind of have to start thinking, okay, what now? So am I then correct in saying that most of your marketing and advertising is sort of more geared towards remaining top of mind? Yeah, I think I think it's, uh, I suppose it's important for us to note that batteries uh, essentially is a grudge purchase. So grudge purchase being where you don't expect or plan to really um, fork out some cash for 
something that's you know just gone wrong um and so it's like just plumbing and pipes burst you know you don't or geezer burst just, or unless you have insurance for it you, you know you don't plan for it and um and, and in that sense if you think about it when when an individual is um let's say distressed or in time of need they're like oh my goodness i need to, i need to find um the right solution where do i go how do i find it um and so on and when when that happens obviously you want to be top of mind when that person's thinking oh, who am i going to phone how am i going to do this where am i going to get help you know and so definitely uh, a lot of the, the marketing aspects we do is around creating strong brand awareness and i would i would want to say long lasting brand awareness as as um you know i think an average life cycle of a battery can range between three and five years so so you know you're you need to try keep that brand recall rather high so yeah and then you know we do obviously try here and there and play with one or two price promotions but it all really boils down to time of need 100 percent. and i think of myself when a couple of years ago i was in that situation my battery died i was at work and the first thing i thought it was like oh the last time I needed this, I was battery center. Someone also said to me, you know, they've had a really good experience with you guys. And that's kind of how it unfolded, right? You kind of go to where you trust that someone else has had a good experience, especially for something that needs to last you three to five years and not leave you stranded by the side of the road. So then where does influencers fit into this strategy? How did you make or why did you decide to go with influencer marketing for this? Well, I think I can almost use your example well, to a degree. So, you know, we when I joined Battery Center, we did obviously a lot of research and we, we did some recall and we did some uh, customer surveys on after each customer purchase. And we that there was one of the main questions uh, or purpose of the survey was to find out where or why the customer came to Battery Center. And the the top results were they were referred or they were or or previously they had a a good experience at that same battery center so they were a returning customer and and then obviously uh, the last one would be they found us um, online that there uh, goes back to i think which many marketers and i think all of us believe that word of mouth is always going to be the best and most powerful um, form of marketing because it's authentic it's uh you know you asking someone that you trust and if someone you trust is giving them the you know some information of of where they had either a good experience or they know where they can get a solution for some type of issue then there there's a higher propensity for that individual then to go and do the same as their friend or father or whoever gave them that advice and then so if you had to take a look at that we utilize influencers in that regard for that online type of conversation where they have that same type of rapport with their friends uh, online. And, uh, you know, as it's someone that they know, then they have some kind of connection to it. And what we thought that or what we believe is that as a result of someone that they know talking about, about um, let's say, Battery Center, that there is, again, a higher recall of our brand uh, on that. And even if they forget the brand and it's like a year or so down the line, they may just uh, WhatsApp 
that friend of theirs and say, hey, man, you know, I remember you talking about something about a battery or whatever. Where did you go? Or where should do you remember? Mm-hmm. And then, and then um, they would obviously, that individual, that let's say influencer at that stage would say, yeah, sure, it was that battery center. For, for us, it, it took that word of mouth type of uh, trust, authentic kind of um, advice and put, it, uh, and put it online to reach a, a greater audience. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Word of mouth will never go out of fashion. It's the most powerful thing and it just keeps evolving. And at this yeah. point in the game, it is basically our influencers who, who's really good at that. So then what type of influencers do you use on your campaigns? Is it the smaller guys, the bigger guys, nanos, macros, micros? What direction do you go in? It's definitely the smaller guys. I mean, we focus on, uh, our focus was always around getting into that word of mouth type of conversation. So the word of mouth type of conversation is as if you and I were talking well, uh, with our families at home or amongst our friends in that regard. So we we didn't, our focus has never been on not to say that we don't uh, utilize, let's say, some blogs or, or, or those type of avenues as as an extra influencer type of avenue. But in terms of this, where we would put more of our energy or focus would be on, you know, the guys that just regular people, just uh, the standard you and me's that um, have had a good experience in, in the, the market with the product. And that is definitely our focus because we believe that's more uh, authentic and we believe that people trust that more so. And that sticks to our our market research around word of mouth and a previous experience being one of the main drivers of, of new people uh, or, or new customers to the battery centers. That makes complete sense to me. And I love that you mentioned that you actually look at research and that you have done research on what resonates best with your customers and just asking them, why are you a customer? Where would you go? Um, we've done a couple of podcasts now where we've spoken about data and it's just so important that you know what your customer is looking for and why they're with you. Yeah, I think I think it's, it's very important to actually get some data because, you know, the more you know, the greater awareness you have around the needs and understanding of your of your customer base, the greater, you know, insight that you will have or an awareness you'll have and the greater decisions you can then make and alter or change your tactic if need be and i think especially now we, we're moving into a lot more data-centric digital online world where there's so many various platforms to engage with individuals uh, that the more information you have the better decisions you can make and keeping in mind that you can't go on everything you can't go you can't put your cash behind every single medium and if you are able to split your budget accordingly, uh, which you believe uh, that you'll get the greatest, you know, return on investment, that is that is key to understand how your your, your consumers or your customers will feel in the mediums that you engage with, engage them with. So, Ryan, with um, with your nano influences on these campaigns. Can you maybe talk to us more about what types of content they create for you? I feel like it's very difficult to kind of envisage an influencer campaign with images and copy that speaks to batteries. That's really authentic. The first key aspect was in terms of the campaigns that we've run, and we've done more than one um, with, with, with nano influencers in the salt, was that we must have individuals that had previously bought a battery or engaged with a battery center 
and that's I think was was which is really great um, from from the team that they went and they searched searched for that and they put in their criteria and they found people that only had had that. So once we had that, then we know that the individuals had an experience and they can give now authentic uh, commentary and it's and it's easier for the influencers to create content, authentic content about us. And then again, like you mentioned right in the beginning, you're talking about um, top of mind awareness and brand awareness XYZ. When the guys uh, start creating content, they create content around the brand, the value that you know the brand stands for, and where they went, the location that they went, and even if they have pictures of the actual location, or if they have have a picture even with the the manager or the owner there, will mention his name and talk about the experience, and we we move around some uh, content that. Uh, talks about one or two key points of of our product or you know key selling points so wow did you hey guys did you know that battery center sells batteries that are manufactured locally and have been doing so for so many years you know since 1969 where the manufacturer has been here for 90 years so they that that type of stuff you know work on those type of elements which which almost um engages a community now where supporting local businesses is very rewarding for just normal customers because they, they you know they obviously want to promote local economy and local growth and you know our business we're lucky lucky to have local manufacturer of product in this regard and it builds and, and helps keep the jobs for you know a couple thousand people across uh, our let's say group or industry which is which is we we obviously very grateful for it and the support that you know people give for us is it you know it helps everyone. So we focus around um, some of the key aspects on our products, locations, the branding. What was the experience like? They had a great experience. Said so this is such a cool tip. Uh, if you know X Y Z and you know if you ever need something, speak to this guy um, at this place. So so it's it tries to make it as authentic as possible, uh, not just. Um, product or brand focused because we don't want it to be a it's, it's it's actually about someone telling them about a place where they suggest to go so yeah sure you bring in the brand and the product elements but it's the idea is to say wow this is these are the guys that know what to do in this scenario keep that in, in mind for whenever it happens to you as i'm listening to you describing this type of content i absolutely love the fact that it's not just oh my battery died go get your battery at Battery Center because that is more like an advertorial. That's an ad. ad. That's an ad. Yes, but like weaving in the story of I love the like proudly South African angle, love that you're giving people like hot tips, uh, did you knows, because that's really to your point where people actually, A, learn something and it's going to stick. Down the line when I'm stuck, I'm like, oh, you know, that friend of mine talked about this cool South African brand, this and that. And that's really what sticks and that's what gets people engaged. So I absolutely love that. So then Ryan, when you look at actual social media platforms where your influencers would post, which platform did you find yielded the most results? And to your, in your opinion, why was that platform better suited than others perhaps? The influencers posted mainly on either Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter in, in our, our case. If they did it on, on LinkedIn and other, and on, on, let's call it WhatsApp, if they start having those 
uh, conversations offline. You know, that's obviously, we wouldn't take that into account in this regard. And LinkedIn, we don't believe for a consumer-based platform is viable. And um, when I think it's it's variable in terms of, in all honesty, it's variable in terms of what the content is being created. So if the guys are putting a tweet out there of like it's an engaging type of tweet or something that starts creating a bit of question. So we saw some guys, oh my goodness, oh, that's I need I actually need one right now. Where did you go? And the guy says, oh, I need to get, I went there, call these guys. Then it's on a bit of a, uh, a feed on, on on these guys twitter feed so it's not also in that so that type of content works well there we obviously got i think a lot of traction on our on on facebook um i believe it could be possible that uh, we have a very uh, a very strong facebook following so in terms of battery center the battery center is uh, stronger on uh, facebook versus let's say the other platforms and if if the influencers tag battery center, I think that there was a higher engagement rate, and it was maybe a lot more visible, uh, or it was visible to a lot more eyes. And then you know when it came to imagery, some cool imagery uh, on Instagram, I think again uh, that was you know then the guys are like okay cool that was pretty interesting, engaging. Hey, what you're doing there? All right, you know so. I would, I would, I would always promote in our regard that the guys actually use whichever platform they feel uh, they need to. So uh, influencers and they would happily post on whichever platform they are are more comfortable with. So we, which I think our understanding or rather our feeling around that is to say we've got an influencer where his his community, so his friends and all that know or are used to him posting on let's say uh, instagram or posting on facebook or tweeting on twitter so that's where he normally posts and normally engages with his community so then we'd rather him engage where he normally engages and in the same manner that he or she engages which again speaks to the authenticity of of the communication I believe that um, those platforms were both effective, uh, all three were very effective um, for us. And um, I think Facebook, because we have a large following on Facebook, probably yielded some some higher results. No, for sure. And I asked you that question because I think so often brands get kind of blanket and stuck on, on the latest new platform or one they've been used for last 10 years to like, this is the one, this is the one. And for me, it yeah. is so important to realize that when you use influencers, it doesn't matter of their size. It's all about where their community sits. Like for me personally, I know if I post something to Instagram, I'm probably going to get a better reaction than to Facebook. And that's just because yeah. that's where my community is. So I absolutely love that you said that. And the new ones are coming. The guys, next thing you'll see the guys doing TikTok dances with, uh, <laughs> on a bat, you know, and they're watching them fit a battery or something to you know you never know so i think um as 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 new platforms are uh pop up and and become popular and guys engage with it and there's there's always means and ways to do it obviously i think it's important to as a as a company is to understand where or what your customer is so you don't waste money so if tiktok tiktok won't work for your 
for your platform. Just you know, you, when you when you set your ca- campaign parameters or looking for your people, fix fixate or focus rather on platforms which you think will yield the better ROI. And then the big question, Ryan. The big question is: Did it work for you? Did your influencer campaign actually just deliver what you wanted it to deliver? Yeah, I mean, look. We set some metrics and targets to achieve in terms of, you know, conversion rates, um, impressions and all that kind of jazz. And um, we also did some, we boosted a couple of some of the top posts. And so let's call it the booster posts and the just the, the generic uh, influencer posts. Overall, we achieved higher than our targets, the objectives. So we actually outperformed the uh, what we needed to outperform. And in that regard, obviously, we had a very successful campaign. We drove a lot of, uh, we drove a high, high number of impressions and people through to the sites and to the, the call to actions. And, you know, it was very good you know, for us. And, and I believe, um, like I said to you, how we started in the beginning, in our business, if it's a three to five year life cycle of a product, we, we may only reap the reward um, of an actual purchase in a year's time, um, of which we, in all honesty, we would never be able to, you know, pick it down to influencer marketing in that sense. But it very well could be, unless we, unless, unless obviously we, you know, every single person said, hey, I, we continue with our service for every single person, which obviously we don't do. Sure. So, yeah. so that's really good news. I love that you've actually outperformed the KPIs you said because it's one thing meeting 100%. them. But outperforming, that's fantastic. So congratulations. Yeah, it seemed like it was relatively easy in the end to outperform it. So (laughs) next time I'm going to, I'll put some higher targets. (laughs) So then we spoke earlier about you're doing a lot of things in the marketing world to be top of mind. So when in a year's time I need a battery, I'm like, oh, yes, saw that. Saw this on my Instagram, saw that on my Twitter, saw that on a billboard, saw that in a magazine. So then my question to you is, do you at Battery Center integrate your influencer campaigns into bigger multi-channel campaigns just so that you've got those extra touch points instead of just solely, you know, um, looking to them? Absolutely. Hashtag no filter. That's how this podcast is delivering real down-to-earth stories told by real people. For an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real-life situations, go check out thesalt.co.za. They are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So um, two aspects to how I see influencer influencer marketing integrating into, you know, let's call it your overall annual marketing plan. So you have... I would say uh, if you have the ability and budget to have continual online conversations around the product and you're rotating a group of influencers over a set period, so you have uh, on and off um, type of period for online influencers over each quarter, um, but you do it always on type of stuff, having communi- comms from, from influencers. That means you are now have you have a huge reach, so your reach has maximized the in terms of your budget, and you have it over a long period, so it's consistent, and it's obviously it still remains authentic, which is hundred percent key. And then in that same regard, whenever you are running let whatever campaign it might be, so let's say you're launching a new product, or you're going to have some some specials, or there's a 
promo running for X, Y, and Z, then you obviously can utilize the, that same set of influences at that same time. And whatever your posts or uh, scenes are that you provide to, to the influencers to create would then again speak to your to that campaign. And whenever you do a campaign, I think every marketer knows that you know, a cross-board campaign is always more effective, meaning that if your touch points are both online, you know, out of home, um, if you have the ability to depending on budgets obviously if you're on tv and radio and then you have uh, on your online conversations and then at the same time have one or two key billboards or you're on a whole bunch of digital billboards and then further to that our franchisees get given content um, of that same aspect where they would either um, do localized marketing if it's in local newspapers or local in some cases local radio stations it's all talking about the same message so then the same message is being spoken about across all touch points and then influences as your word of mouth then continues that same um, message and, and brings it across through to their their community so i think you know when you integrate that i think you are adding to the ROI, you're increasing the ROI of your overall overall campaign uh, metrics. So 100%, we, we definitely do that. My, if they don't have the budget to be always on, they, they would use it just for to link in with, the camp, um, with other elements of the campaign. For sure. And I think to your point, uh, it all depends on your budget, but it's always so important to kind of cover most channels just so that you can reach different audiences, but you also have that continuation of conversation, no matter where your kind of audience is at that point in time. Exactly. There's people, there's so, people that aren't on Twitter. There's people that aren't on, or there's people that just maybe aren't active on online and they need to see it in a billboard or they need to get in their local newspaper because they still read newspapers or they need to, you know, if they, if they hear about it or see an ad, um, on TV, you know these these touch points are in our industries to be across board is quite important because who drives a car? Well, everyone. So absolutely, yeah. it's like please define your target market, Ryan. Everyone. <laughs> well, I, I think I don't think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can just say that, or or we'll have to take a couple hours to really deep dive that and to really analyze each mark, each individual. Um, but um, exactly yeah we, that's uh, that's uh, another conversation for another day oh we can have a two-hour podcast on that It'd be very interesting yeah that's you need two hours <laughs> so Ryan, i love to ask this question to everyone that comes on the podcast because it's really really interesting to me to see like the evolution of your kind of train of thought on this topic so before you were actually hands-on or involved in influencer campaigns did you have a prior perception of what it was and what was that and how has it changed? Well, that's a, it's a good, actually a good question. So yeah, before, before I was involved, less up before nano influencer aspects were, and there's also this nano, then there's, you know, micro influencers. There's quite a, there's, there's actually different, different types of influencers so it's very important you know when you get into to the marketing aspect of it and even if you're on the way to to go and research just because you know uh influencers probably was probably the one of the if not the most um growing 
advertising medium last year. So I think uh, if you don't understand it, you should you should go and do some research on what are the different types of influencers and and what you know what uh, are the roles they play and what maybe types of industries they are, are, are these the different types of influencers are best suited to. So um, you know for us uh, or me, sorry, um, you would think of an influencer as one of these big. Um, big names or, or, or people or very popular famous people or artists or sportsmen um, that you can get them to go you pay them basically to talk about your brand and you know things like that uh, I always thought it was around that and then maybe um, around like where you have these big um, uh, big blogs and with huge followings would, would be the next one where where influencers were, that's, I suppose, was my initial perception. And which, um, you know, in terms of spending big cash on a big um, famous person to promote our brand, I'm not against it. But again, you know, leveraging as many touch points as possible and and um, uh, a, a budget, we never did it. It wasn't something that was, folk, I was, you know, it wasn't something that I was overly keen on. And then obviously, um, yeah, that shifted once uh, you saw the opportunities of of taking, yeah, and it goes back to to word of mouth again. You know, it, literally, it was an opportunity to say, okay, well, now we can take word of mouth and you know leverage word of mouth online and even boost it so it can reach more people, like online reviews and 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 that type of stuff is becoming a lot more. People are are, are trusting online reviews uh, more and more as as, as integrated into the digital world in that sense um where previously like let's say 10 years ago if you saw a review online i don't know if it was if people would be like oh yeah maybe that's just is that what is that comment i don't know I'd rather believe someone tells me you know face to face but now it's it's almost like it's a face-to-face conversation that was i would say my transition and um going from understanding of where it's this big platform to actually just regular people um, talking about your product or brand and being authentic, which is what we we all about, you know, authenticity. So that was definitely our, my transition. Look, your, your initial perception of influence marketing wasn't really wrong. That at some point was what we perceived as influencers, right? With celebs, celeb sponsorships, just people with huge blogs. And then we only later on realized, but wait a minute, there's this whole other world of influencer marketing. Correct. So you've just been educated and just kind of opened your world up to that. I think, I think that's, I mean, that's fair, fair uh, and nice of you to say. Um, if you're in marketing these days, you must know what the, all the different types of influencing, uh, influencing markets that there is. And I think, there's definitely a large amount of people still today that don't know about nano or micro or the different types of influencer marketing in that aspect. Top guys, CEOs of companies, um, I, I guarantee you, a lot of them don't know. Big organizations potentially, they have, uh, I could put money on it. That's you know they they may not be aware of nano or micro influencers and and. And in their mind, they probably think of, oh, no, I don't want, you ask them, hey, do you do influencer, use influencers? And he probably thinks, no, I don't use Ronaldo to promote my brand. I'm not yeah. going to do that. You know, I guarantee you that is still happening today. 
without a doubt. Oh, I can guarantee it. Like we experience it all the time. Um, and then you also kind of speak to people about influencer marketing and their faces just go, it's like a swear word. You're like influencers, yeah. and you're like, oh. Why am I going to get the Kardashians to come and exactly? Exactly, you know? and I, and it's gotten a bad rap over the last couple of years because, like, most of the time you just see like the bad articles on mm. on these celeb influencers, the reality stars, what's happened. Correct. You know, if they do something, then the brands link to it, and you just kind of we're always out there trying to just educate and be like, no, but there's so much more than that. Uh, to this you don't need to use a celeb you don't need to use a kardashian there is a lot yeah. of other things that you can do exactly exactly and, and and for us it was you know the big thing for us it was as i said to you it was based on our research word of mouth being one of our top drivers so now we can take uh, word of mouth and we can use it as a marketing tool so so then ryan do you guys implement influencer campaigns in-house or do you use specialist agencies to do this uh, no, we definitely wouldn't do it in-house. So where, do you, where are you going to find those people? And I'm not a – we use an agency. So we use an agency. What we do, what we get from the agency in that aspect is that I know I can say I want um, – this is my target market for what I want for, for influencers. So obviously, I say I want individuals. I want X number of individuals in this type of bracket, uh, I want like the typical moms or I want the typical X, Y, and Z. And, and, and I'm, and I want them to be, um, ex customers of, of mine. Um, you can go and find that and please make sure you're not finding guys that are just, you know, hustling and doing whatever. So, you know, telling you stories that they're actually part of it, which is, which is why you would want to use an agency so they can filter that out. So that's not my core job. You know what I mean? And um, and then they would obviously, uh, as any company with a core focus, you would learn better techniques and tools and and, and like let's call it little tricks of the trade to get better performance and uh, return on investment and maybe new little interesting avenues or suggestions in in terms of conversations or topics or or guard guarding us and say okay you may want to steer away from that type of conversation as it actually won't be authentic. Um, that doesn't sound authentic enough. You know, you, you're almost pushing it now to an advert, which I think is something that must always be very, very um, top of mind when guys are using influences and they're creating po or scenes and stuff that they don't force uh, influencers to, to create a, a, a content that will come across as if they are making like an ad because then it's, then you're losing that authenticity. I think it's quite for me. It was it's it's important because it's it's can you as a as a as a marketing manager or whatever you you can easily fall into that trap, especially with nano influencers. You've touched on something very important there, and that is that sometimes marketers get really wrapped up in their brand and they don't realize when they're reviewing or approving scenes and things like that that they really just want to pump in like information, like it's, so it reads like an ad. Um, and we always say, yes, we obviously get guidelines from you. We want to know what message needs to land, what's the important things. But in that framework, you need to give those influencers a little bit of freedom and trust them that they actually make content that they know resonates with their, their audiences or their friends and their families who, who's consuming that. So yeah. we always have to consult on that because, to your point, it's yeah. just sometimes like 
just pump in the brand. And you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. So no, so for 100%, so like, let go, let it be and see what happens. I almost <laughs> want to say that. But you, you, so what you do is you say, well, this is who we are. These are our products. These are our key selling points. This is the type of messaging. This is the campaigns we're doing. This is X, Y, and Z. So you give them all the information that they, that they, that they can utilize so that they have now a full kit of info. So when they are creating or talking about something, they'll find, okay, that resonates with me. I'm I can talk about that. That was true to my experience. I can talk about that. And while wow, actually I can even add in now this, that they, the largest local manufacturers or whatever the case is, so they, they can add into the points, but now you're not um, almost forcing people to communicate in a certain way. Cause then, then, then they, it's difficult for them to create content actually. And it's, it's difficult for them to uh, be authentic in their content. And then, then lies the importance of the nano influencers. So the more authentic and natural the content's created, the higher propensity for that content to be shared or read or liked, commented on, um, and therefore reach a, a lot larger audience. That's exactly it. And I think it's just, it's really difficult sometimes to, to kind of let go to a sense just purely because this brand is your baby and you just want the best for it. So I can understand <laughs> that you don't always want yeah. to let go. And yeah, so it's, it's very difficult to say that. Obviously, everyone, you know, everyone has um, got their own jobs to do. And, uh, you know, as a marketer, you always want to try to show, you know, the company what the return on investment is. And in, in many cases, in marketing, it's very difficult to do that. So, you know, it, your marketers are always under pressure to, to make sure that they best bang for their buck and um, keep uh, all the stakeholders happy. Yeah, it's a tall order to keep everyone happy, but it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> so Ryan, then can you maybe share your biggest learnings and insights with regards to running influencer campaigns? We've almost touched on on some of those points, but I, I would say the biggest rather um, insight to learning in this aspect is is again around not forcing the type of content or the way in the content is, is created and that when you are giving the information through to the agency or the influencers that the information is is provided and it's straightforward and easy to understand as if you are a customer so if a customer is looking at this information i understand these touch points i understand those unique selling points of the product or the brand or or the service and the messaging is clear and, and to the point. And then again, you know, you have your guidelines of your scenes and now you have your, I would say, I would like to call it your toolkit for your influencers to, to refer back to. And that for us was one of the, I think is the big, the biggest learning to give your influencers the freedom to create their own content with a strong toolkit that they can utilize so you're speaking to both meeting your brand's objectives, but you are still remaining authentic and creating it easier for your influencers to communicate. I'll definitely say that's probably the main, the main learning on that. And maybe um you know be another uh, other aspect is um uh be careful like you know sometimes depending on what your company or your product or your brand uh or what message you're trying to get across, just make sure that it aligns with um, 
nano influencers or influencer marketing and if that's the right medium to use those are two very very good insights and i think really good to actually keep in mind when you are implementing influencer campaigns so thank you for that ryan pleasure absolutely so that comes to the end of our chat thank you so much again for spending time with us and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with us so before we go please can you tell our listeners where they can find you online if they want to learn more about you and what you do yeah so the best place to to find me would be um on my LinkedIn profile. So you can connect with me via LinkedIn and I'll happily engage with you and, and share feedback that we've had in the industry and, and different uh, strategic marketing aspects where I would say some of my core competencies lies. Thank you so much, Ryan, and hope to chat soon. Thank you so much, and It was great chatting to you. Have a lovely day. Thank you, Ryan. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.